1: The Match hello there and welcome to the show it's brought to you with levi solicitors who will give you 10 percent off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball my name's dan hiya with me michael normanson hello moscow white as well daniel chapman hello The Matchball 30 charts our journey from promotion in 1990 to lifting the league title in 1992. It's a real-time journey where we do a match ball on the 30th anniversary of every game. And Easter just out of the way, as it was in 1991, 2nd of April. So April Fools was yesterday. Was yesterday. Did you get caught out by anything? Well, who were the Fools yesterday? Crystal Palace were the Fools, weren't they? Ha! (laughs) Ha ha! Very good. Very good. Well, they've given us a sniff, haven't they, judging by these um, these other results. They lost at home 3-1 to Manchester City. Niall Quinn and his disco pants with a hat-trick. Have that. Another significant result was Southampton beating Liverpool as well. Didn't expect that one with Liverpool still sniffing around the title. Maybe that's going to let Arsenal in for their, uh, their game tomorrow at home to Aston Villa, which I fancy them for a, a good win there. That would
2: spoil things for us, though, because... We've been talking a lot about us chasing Palace for third place. And this is what needs to happen now that we are, thanks to that uh, them losing to Man City, we're nine points behind them with three games in hand. So we win those three, level on points for third. If Liverpool win the title, they go into the European Cup. And then if Arsenal finish second, they would go into the UEFA Cup, but they're still in with the chance of winning the FA Cup. So they would qualify. The European Cup Winners' Cup, if they did that, which is above the UEFA Cup, so then the UEFA Cup place goes to third, which will be us, not Crystal Palace. So we need Liverpool to win the league, Arsenal win the cup, and Leeds go
1: marching on into Europe. It was really good, though, for us to arrest that post-Christmas slide, do we want to call it, with uh, with two wins in, nine, it was something like that, or eight games. To win at Chelsea, I thought, was a really um, really solid uh, result last week, so hoping to build on that one again today at Ellen Road. Another big crowd, over 28,000 here for the visit of Sunderland. And, and how many more in Sunderland? A bigger crowd at the, the Beanback as well. I'm sure the, this will be the,
2: the highlight of the week up there in, in Sunderland. Get a, a day off from the car factory. Go and watch the lads. A 14-inch telly in the middle of a, in the centre circle
1: at Roker Park. Cheering them on for the a great result at Ellen Road. Sounds like a lovely day out by the seaside in, in early April. Lineups then. John Lukic in Goal, Mel Sterland, Mike Whitlow, John McClelland and Chris White. So oh, no Chris um, no Chris Fairclough then in defence today. His uh, ankle that he played on with at Chelsea got the better of him. In midfield, your big four, Batty, Strachan, McAllister and Speed with Carl Schutt and Lee Chapman up front. And Imre Verardi making it back to the bench with Andy Williams. Uh, for Sunderland, Tony Norman, Gordon Armstrong, Anthony Smith, Gary Bennett, John Kaye, Richard Ord, Paul Hardiman, Kieran Brady, Paul Bracewell, Gary Owers and David Rush with the subs. Brian Atkinson, who sounds like he should be a retired man, not on the bench for Sunderland in the prime of his career. And another Brian, Brian Mooney, with Dennis Smith, the manager for them.
3: It's very rare that I only recognise one player from the opposition, but Paul Bracewell is pretty much the size of it.
1: You would
2: remember John Kay, though, from,
3: only from this season, smashing uh,
2: Peter Haddock's legs the earlier in the season. Remember, this shower came up behind us
1: from the second division, but only by default. Well, this was very convoluted and very, very messy because Swindon were doing naughty things with their finances, but they beat Sunderland in the playoff final to get promoted to the Premier League, but were promptly relegated to divisions due to their financial impropriety. Um, 36 charges that they admitted of uh, breaching league rules so they ended up dropping down to the third tier, which upon appeal was restored back to the second tier. So they kind of did a big round the houses and ended up right where they started. But Dave Hockaday's Swindon Town at this point.
2: Exactly. It was uh, one of um, Vinnie Jones' two bookings in his career at Leeds, Was we were getting promoted, was a, a very good tackle on David Hockaday at, uh, at Elland Road. But yeah, Swindon's chairman off to jail and Sunderland off to the first division, where they're doing
1: great. Although they did beat Scum. 19th, they've played 31 games, won 7, drawn 8 and lost 16, scored 33 and conceded 47. I mean, conceding 47 goals in the top flight is ridiculous. And it's only April. Uh, they've only won once away from home coming into this against, I mean, Sheffield United, who we know are pathetic. They came up with us as well, didn't they? Yeah, but they're not as good as us because we're basically going to win the league or thereabouts. I mean, Well, we're know. off to Europe. We'll yeah, settle for that. Close enough. They did beat Man United 2-1, well, mind you, at the start of the season. So we just call it the, the early season promotion bounce, do we? And then they beat Crystal Palace on Saturday as well. So we are... Uh, yeah, but we
2: know Palace are a set of chumps, don't we? But we're, well, we're, we're nicely minded towards them, which makes a change. Um, there's a lot of uh, pre-match talk about that John Kay tackle on Peter Haddock and whether it's going to be a, a big on-pitch stramash. Dennis Smith says he's told his players not to get involved and Wilcox saying it's just another match. And the more we concentrate on football and ignore the so-called side issues, the better it will be for us. I would not want myself, my players... For anyone connected with the club, to become involved in side issues. So it's quite clear on side issues. There are to be no side issues about this match. Just the issues that are right in front of us. Front issues, not side issues. Don't know where he stands on back issues. Mm. Old issues of the square ball, perhaps, that he, he might be collecting. I don't think so. I don't think he was a fan. But um, side issues are definitely out.
1: We're bang up for this, and we set about them from the get-go. In a tremendous fashion. We've spoken so many times this season about, you know, the hallmark of Wilco's side being coming out of the blocks and getting the games won inside the first 20, 30 minutes and no difference here. We absolutely trounced them.
3: It's a great goal, this first one as well. It's uh, Whitlow throwing it to speed and then there's a nice little one-two before Whitlow turns into, well, it doesn't turn into, it turns into Mike Whitlow, is what he does. Well,
1: they are playing such a tight area here. It's not a surprise to see quick footwork, great movement, intelligence. And and like, like a racing car going into turbo. There's two
2: one-twos with speed.
1: He throws the ball to speed,
2: takes it back, gives it to speed, gets it back, and then he's off. So many players trying to stop him, and he just swerves around them all into space. It's it the sort brilliant. of thing
1: that got Gareth Bailey's move to Real Madrid. It it's is, this kind of play. Well, you see a uh, play on the left side like this, attacking the cop end uh, and across to Chapman. What he comes from behind the defender as well, ghosts in and just somewhere around the penalty spot into the goal. This Bang, is this is nil. easy for Chapman though.
3: This kind of it's stuff. T- it's textbook stuff. It's what he it?
2: does every single week. Lest anybody think we are joking about Whitlow's. It is great. Play. It is actually a great piece of football. It does really well. And the the, um, the beating the players is good, but then the cross, I know having Chapman there helps, but it is right on his head, right where he wants it. And he's basically on the penalty spot and can choose which corner to put it in, puts it in the far, just inside the bottom of the far post.
1: It's a great goal. Five minutes in as well. I have often wondered watching football, whether football teams do this, whether they'll, they'll say, right, just put it in an area. And you get the sense that when Leeds are attacking, when Chapman's there with the headers, they know just to wang it towards the, roughly towards the penalty spot. And you've got a very good chance with Lee Chapman in your side. I think when we cross from
3: the byline, it's aim for the edge of the six yard box. When we cross from a bit further out, aim for the penalty spot. And you know Chapman's going to be there or thereabouts. One thing I, I do look back on this watching Chapman and we, know we, know, we now know about heading a ball and its potential impact on brain injuries and stuff. I do kind of wince at the amount of heading the ball Chapman does and the amount of elbows he gets and stuff, and it dishes out, in fairness, as well. Like it's his game is it's so aerial, it's ridiculous.
1: And if you talk, I mean, we don't. Well, know. you say that. Let's well, let's wait till we see what happens in the second half because you never
2: know. We don't want to get too distracted by concussion and head injuries, but let's let's not forget he did get kicked unconscious earlier in the season and then uh, drag his face across a running track. Bit of vaseline on that. Go and play. <laughs> Play again six days later. Absolutely fine. Staple him
1: together. He's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't ever go up for another header again or uh, dip my head in towards any sort of challenge ever again. In fact, I'd probably just have retired on the back of that. Terrified. 22 minutes on the clock, 2-0. Carl shut the score at this time. And another nice flowing move. Yeah, you've got Chapman who's involved again. He nods it down. So he's kind of on the the low field side, isn't he? About halfway inside the, the Sunderland half over towards the touchline. But he's the omnipresent target and flicks it inside who finds Strachan, who's just in acres of space in the middle of the park. Strachan's pulling the strings in this one again. I mean, he's meant to be tired, isn't he? Because he's played so
3: many games and he's even been playing for Scotland, but he's just brilliant in this game throughout. But yeah, moves it across to speed and then it's, a uh, and uh, the cross is a bit long this time, but Chapman once again is there to win the header, which he manages to, it's too high for him really, but he manages to keep it in play and it loops it over towards the back post where shut. It into more or less an empty net for a few yards. I uh, mean, this is, a,
1: this is a really, really cute finish because you do wonder with a man so close to him because the defender's right on him and the keeper's reaching backwards to try and cover it, where he's going to put it. And there is just that little bit of space right by the left hand post. And he just heads it down into that little space. I wonder
3: if it might have come off his face. <laughs> yeah, he knows he's just. Didn't. He's just faced it into the net instead. <laughs> they, they all, all count.
2: It's a strange one because Gary Bennett is with him, but doesn't just seem to do anything to stop him. Shutt just has to sort of decide how am I going to head it around this defender? And it's. Yeah, it's a good little finish.
1: Maybe it's the perfectly accurate assist from Lee Chapman that does it, that looping header. Uh, looping. And it was, it did really well because he it, it, it did the thing of, because he looped it, it took all the pace off the ball and just presented shut with that chance when it looped over to the far side. So it must have been accurate enough for shut to uh, to have just stroked it in with his nose. Well, yeah, he's kind of put it in there
2: again. I don't know if it's into an area, but he's he's played it in a way that the players can kind of watch and then compete for it. And it's weird with Gary Bennett being such a, a hard player defender that he's just sort of watched it land on Carl Schutt's head. But that's because Schutt's a great striker and Gary Bennett is a shit defender. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I enjoyed about this as well is the real atmosphere that's in the air. And you can hear it as these goals go in. It's only 2-0, but 2-0 up this early is that momentum growing. There's a real cheer. There's a real sort of beef behind the uh, the celebrations. Well, we've won at this point. 22 minutes
2: gone. 2-0 against Sunderland. we have won one game away. They're not coming back, are they? The
3: beanbag tickets are looking poor value at this point, aren't they? People are probably just thinking, do you know what? Should we go to
1: the beach? Well, yeah, I, I did mention for the away game earlier this season, there's a decent chippy not too far from Roker Park. Um, and there's the park itself, which is just the other side of the chippy. Nice seafront in that area. I can see better options for the Macams on this particular day. And it's getting worse for them before half time. 3-0 from Gary Speed. I mean, you cannot overstate how good this header is by Gary Speed and it comes from a Mel Sterling free kick again you're sort of halfway inside the Sunderland half over by the, the lowfields touchline we're attacking the cop end and Sterling lofts it in doesn't he so so accurately but then the brilliance comes from Speed's head Not many headers are this
3: aesthetically pleasing there's just something you can watch about this over and over again It's he doesn't get a heavy touch on it because the ball's got some pace on it and it's it's just the way he directs it with his head it's a glancing header but it just beautifully goes across the keeper and in off the post it's it's one of the best headers i think i've ever seen
2: to control it in off the far post is just exceptional ability and it's so simple as well just a great sterling free kick onto the penalty spot speed he's running across it as well that's the thing he runs to meet it he knows where it's going to go he knows where sterling is going to put it and then just puts exactly the amount of power on it to just guide it and it doesn't um it doesn't bounce in. There's no kind of like misheuing. There's no scraping where he's not quite got it right. It's just perfectly inside the post,
1: and that's the the point you make there, Moscow. Is that he's coming across it? It would be easier to guide it to the right hand post here and send it a little bit back towards where it's come from. You know, to put the momentum on it that way. But he it doesn't. It's the fact that he directs it over to the far post. So he guides it almost. Um, but with such accuracy and power, yeah, it, does, it does hit the post and go straight in.
3: The knowledge of his angle of his forehead is tremendous. To, to understand what he needed to do with the ball in that split second is incredible.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: and there's not a great deal different to say about the second half other than we continued to be relentless albeit it did take us nearly 15 minutes to get the fourth goal again some neat footwork involved in this some really nice goals today i mean that Nice work from Strachan, um, doing a one-two around the edge of the area with McAllister that sends Strachan to the byline at the south stand end, and he gets right to the corner of the six-yard box where it meets the byline, and then he, he just pulls it back, and Gary Speed just taps it into an empty net, three yards out, done. You do get the feeling in the second half they've sort of
3: given up, because Speed's in the middle completely unmarked. I think it's Whitlow is behind him, so if it if it had gone past, there'd have been another completely unmarked lead to play to tap it in. But well, to be generous to us, we also completely carve them open.
1: Um, and you imagine the half time team talk by Sunderland is to the effect of okay, tough game. Don't Get let the your... first goal. Yeah, don't let yourselves down, lads, first of all. Stay there's, in this. There's thousands of people back in Sunderland watching you. Well, I mean, t- t- tens of them now, so so say the club. But yeah, th- this is it. I mean, it's, I mean, it was game over anyway, but at 4 0, the whole thing's done.
2: You'd think part of that half time team talk would have included marking our players in the six yard box, but. They're just standing watching speed. Because
1: there was a genuine element of surprise with, oh, he's, he's just stood there and put it into an, a completely empty net. Yeah, when you
2: watch it back, they are just watching. Nobody's even running after him. Nobody's trying to stop him. It's just, oh, go on then. It's the same when Strachan
3: makes his run to the byline as well. There's someone with him at the start and they just sort of, yeah, it's fine, just let him go. Can't be arsed.
1: We've lost this. Uh, fair to say then, something you mentioned in the first half, Michael, it was midfield that won this game. We were absolutely dominant across the middle of the park with those four. And it's batty. Does he get an assist for the fifth? As near as he's involved, it. he's he's harassing the midfielder, isn't he? Around around the centre circle, not too physical. He doesn't really do much than breathe down his neck, but it does force a terrible back pass from from the defender, doesn't it? And it just breaks the Chapman, who it's it's really interesting to place his position on the pitch here. He's offside. Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, because they've passed to him exactly. <laughs> Um, But he's in this this sort of a mud trench running down from the centre circle towards the edge of the area, and Chapman is slap-banging it. He's right in the middle of the pitch here. So it's heavy conditions. It's Chapman, who is not the most delicate of footballers. But what he does here, I think, demonstrates a real footballing brain, which you wouldn't necessarily associate with Chapman. You might argue he didn't quite know what to do. You might also argue that he was slow enough that it gave a chance for other people to get ahead of him. But he holds the ball long enough in that central trench in the field and starts advancing towards the edge of the area. But what it does is it lets like Strachan break down the right, speed goes down the left, and it just starts to split the defenders enough that he can keep advancing with the ball. And then you think, well, what's he going to do with it now when he reaches the edge of the area? I think the defenders make the decision for him in the end because they've given him that much space
3: and he's been allowed to run that far with it that he just thinks, well, I suppose I better shoot.
2: And it's worth emphasising there's two things. One, you say the ball broke to him. Sunderland passed it to him. <laughs> he's just standing behind their defender and they just turn and turn towards their own goal and kick it to Chapman. And advancing with the ball, he has one touch. So they pass it to him. <laughs> he, he advanced twenty yards with one touch. <laughs> yeah, he kind of he just kicks the ball towards the edge of the penalty area, and then all the defenders run away in different directions. So he's just kind of following the ball without touching it again. And he does that kind of like a. It's almost like he's he's being allowed to run up for a free kick. He does little, you know, that penalty technique where people kind of do scampering little steps. Now that's really annoying. He's doing a little bit of that. Where it's kind of like, am I gonna just? I'll just hit this and so because everybody's left him to it he doesn't have another touch to set himself he just, well the ball's just sitting there on the edge of the box it's about to roll to a stop I'll just whack it
1: and he does bottom left hand corner strikes in there great finish again off
3: towards the post I would have been intrigued to see how far they did back off him because I I get the feeling they could have been behind the goal line the defenders and he would have still been like are you you doing this are you absolutely sure can I just,
1: just put this into the net But that's why I think um, his play deserves some credit because he, whether by accident or by design, he held it long enough or it was in front of him long enough that it allowed the other two players to come round and that just left the defenders completely screwed, didn't it? What do we do? Where do we go?
3: We are three on two, aren't we? It is worth saying. In defence of the defenders, they're trying to both mark Chapman and the people at the side, but then they just leave a massive hole for him to put the ball through.
2: And it is 4-0 with five minutes left. I wonder if Chapman would have shot from 20 yards if it's... If it had been a bit close, if it was nil-nil in the first half, he Will, maybe Wilcof. would have... Will
1: completely bollocking him
3: and said, get it wide, well, and get in that yep. six-yard box. When you're the top scorer in the first division, you're entitled to shoot from there.
2: Yep. Stick it in, get the fifth, five minutes left. Think there's anybody left at, at Roker Park at this point? <laughs> nah. A <And> single person? <laughs>
3: because... some, some people passed out drunk, <laughs> maybe who can't quite get their legs working it, to leave. Maybe they've switched over to East Enders.
1: I was going to say that they have all gone back to work after Easter, but of course there are no jobs there, so um, they won't. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yeah, and Chapman, brilliant, because most of his goals kind of come from a almost a standing or heading position. He doesn't really know how to celebrate here. He's, he's on his feet and he's got distance to cover. So he just kind of, oh, I'll just throw my arms in the air and, and just walk back towards the centre circle. I kicked one! <laughs> you see that, everybody? Is this his first goal from outside the box? I can't remember. It was certainly in the D,
2: wasn't it? They're a rarity. They're a, they are a, a curate's egg. Is that
1: rare? Let's I say, uh, yeah. Yeah speeds into double figures for goals as well, which is a great return on his uh, first season in the top flight. Yeah, it's hard to uh, remember sometimes that he
2: only really came into the team at the end of the promotion season and um, although he had uh, been out of it a little bit lately to give Andy Williams a, a run just to kind of, kind of um, protect speed from the, the riggers. but he's, he's around the same age as Batty and Batty's been playing since 1987, so it kind of shows the different levels they're at, but Batty's not into double figures for goals this season,
1: is he? (laughs) Or indeed in his career. I did enjoy seeing Batty in this, uh, and across this season actually, just seeing his more progressive play, I'd kind of forgotten, you know, you you kind of distill him down into a bit of a caricature with the passing of time, but seeing him do a lot more kind of aggressive forward-thinking stuff across this season was really, really good.
3: Is he one of the players who's forward actually when Chapman scores? Is he one of the players bursting forward on the... One of the wings, I
1: can't remember. Well, he's the one who forces the um, he forces the issue, doesn't he? On the midfielder who passes it straight back to to, uh, to Chapman, so he's he's not too far away from the action. Him and McAllister
2: were kind of working in tandem this season, kind of bombing forward together. The only problem with Batty attacking is that he would just would not shoot, and everybody was kind of annoyed about him because when he was shooting in training, it's generally going in the nets. So you're like, right, do
1: that in games. Like, nah, too much effort. If you stop telling me to shoot, I might. So the results from this weekend, as we mentioned before, yesterday, April the 1st, on uh, on Easter Monday, we had that defeat for Crystal Palace at home to Man City. So this win, really, really important in terms of closing that gap. The other result today is by some piffling team underneath us, but they've played a couple of games more than us. At Manchester United, they beat Wimbledon, who are a couple of places below them in the table, but it means that the scumbags are still a point behind us, albeit they've played two more. They've played 32, we've played 30. Gap to Palace now is six points, but we have those two games in hand. So it's all to play for. Europe could be back on the cards. That's exciting. Liverpool have played 31 with 63 points and Arsenal have played 30 with 65. And they go on to play Aston Villa tomorrow. And due to the magic of this podcast, because we are going back in time, we can tell you that Arsenal beat Aston Villa 5-0 tomorrow. We've hopped in the DeLorean and had a look. We need better than that from Villa if
2: Liverpool are going to overtake them and win this league so that we can go into Europe. Aston Villa need to not getting, be getting humped 5-0.
1: Unhelpful. Transfer window has slammed shut by this point, but that hasn't stopped the links to players and a player that's quite familiar to us. Yeah, this is a bit of a a strange one from
2: Blackburn's manager, Don Mackay, because there were links around Scott Sellers. Um, a tabloid said that he might have been um, coming to Leeds before the deadline for £700,000 his former club of course we let him go when Billy Bremner took over from Eddie Gray who's one of our youth team players with John Sheridan and Dennis Irwin and all that lot and he let him go for £20,000
1: a wand of a left foot if you were to believe the hype
2: and apparently Howard Wilkinson wanted him at Sheffield Wednesday and has been linked with him again for £700,000 but Don Mackay says um, this is a ridiculous idea because he's injured if someone was daft enough to make a firm offer for sellers at present even the daft one of £700,000 reported by one tabloid would be made by Leeds, I couldn't in all conscience recommend my board to accept it. I wouldn't be able to sleep if I pulled a trick like that on fellow professionals.
1: I mean, the subtext there is, look, if somebody makes an offer of £700,000 for Scott Sellers, we'll sell him. <laughs> He's put a price on his head there, and I can't imagine Scott Sellers is ever going to come back to Leeds. It
3: seemed, it, it, it's never a good idea to go back, is it? No. Nah. Even if he came back, I wouldn't wouldn't think it'd be successful.
1: No, nah, not not a movie should be making that one. Especially not if he's broken. So thanks, Don, for the warning, at least. Well, on to the next game, and it's going to be in a few days' time. So, Saturday, as we look at it in 1991, today's game on a Tuesday, 30 years ago. At seventh placed Wimbledon, we will be travelling to Plough Lane for the weekend. So, they are away off us. Um, they're now seven points behind us in the table with a game played more than us, as I mentioned. So, they're not a huge threat right now but if they beat us suddenly it starts to open it up a little bit doesn't it so a lot to play for when we go there and, it, and it's sure to be absolutely pumping you know full a really big crowd etc etc and some great football on display I'm yeah. sure as well mind you still better than the entire concept of Milton Keynes isn't it have they built that yet Milton Keynes ah, it's just a rumour at the minute just a vicious vicious rumour we'll catch up with you on the match ball 30 when we return following the uh, the game at Plough Lane at the weekend we'll see you in a bit The match ball.